Hello and welcome to a Waypoint Church podcast by Jim Privet. We hope you enjoy listening to it. Right, today we are going to read the first letter of Peter, chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious... You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I'm uh, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not put to shame, will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. You, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. Thank you, Peterson. <laughs> Great. So let's uh, let's pray for Jim. Are you gonna? Is that too low, even for you? Carry I'll, on. I'll get my coat. <laughs> That's all good. Let's pray for Jim. Let's pray for Jim. Father, we thank you for for Jim. Thank you for the word that you've laid on his heart uh, this morning. God, we're excited to get into this new series and understand uh, the things that you have to say to us. And so, Lord, as Jim comes to share with us this morning, Lord, would your spirit be upon him in fresh measure, we pray. Uh, Would you anoint him to communicate in in the wonderfully authentic ways he always does. Um, And Lord, would you uh, give us ears to hear the things that your spirit is speaking to us. Uh, help us to open up our hearts and our souls to uh, receive your life-giving truth this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Go for it. I love him, really. He's great. <laughs> He's a good guy. Also, Peterson, your English is way better than my Portuguese. So, round of applause. That was awesome. Love it. Okay. So we're kicking off a brand new series today called This Is You. We haven't ripped off The Greatest Showman, but um, those of you now are going to have that in your head for the rest of the whole service. So this is you. So fantastic. It's a series that is, uh, I guess, an attempt to try and help enlarge and strengthen our understanding of what it means to find our identity in Christ, to find our purpose and our calling in Christ. And the heartbeat of this hopefully is that it will come out of the back of our Dwell series. Have you enjoyed our Dwell series? Yeah, I hope, hope you have. Good. That's the right answer. And then I worship Fit for a King, King series as well. We're living in uh, very interesting times. I think those times will only get more and more interesting. 
And it can be really easy, I think, as Christians to be swept along with cultural norms, societal norms, and to forget where we're rooted, that we are rooted and we're anchored in Christ. So we're really hoping that this series will give you a foundation or remind you at least of your foundation that is found in Jesus Christ. And we think it flows neatly out of the Dwell series and the Worship Fit for a King series. The first couple of verses that Peterson so well read, it said this, As you come to him, the living stone, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. And you'll know that our, our desire on Sunday mornings has been to um, raise the expectation as we come into church. Not that we don't have the Spirit with us wherever we go, that's not what I'm trying to say, but the kind of the infilling, the filling of the Spirit as we come into the presence of God as a gathered two or three or many of us as it is in the room, we are sensing that God is, is, is raising the spiritual temperature in the room. I don't know if it's just us that sense that, but we are seeing that through some of the testimonies. But we want this place to be a place where we are seeing God move people. We're seeing God challenge people. We're seeing God empowering people. We're seeing God break people free from things as well as he builds his church. Ultimately, our aim, Adam and mine and the leadership team, is to encourage you to continue to build your life on the cornerstone, the living stone, to be fully dependent on Jesus Christ at all times. And we hope it just flows out, right? This is almost like a filling station, church, right? You go around driving around in your cars all week, your petrol runs low, and you're ready to be refilled with the Spirit again, with the Word, and be encouraged to get back out there for His purposes, not just to get through the week. Verses 9 and 10 will be our main focus, though, for this series. We're going to unpack just a few key words, so hopefully we've got that up there today. So it says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have. There's lots of great themes in this stuff that we'll unpack over the next few months, I'm sure. This is a mini-series, though. We're going to be looking really primarily at those first few words. So chosen, being a priesthood, a holy nation, and God's special possession. Today, it's all about being chosen. Being a chosen people. What does that mean? Now, the context, which is really important to know, is that Peter was writing to a... Um, a very troubled church. Modern day Turkey, Asia Minor as it was back then. They were a scattered church under the Roman emperor as well at the time, Nero. And Nero was a pretty bad emperor if you don't know much about him. <laughs> he would use Christians as human torches in his garden. He would use Christians in the gladiatorial games. He would crucify Christians for fun as well. So you have this church that is scared and fearful and tired and persecuted and is a, is, is a minority in a vast sea of unbelief. Now, I want to just pause here because often when I read New Testament and you see these, these churches that were having trouble and they were, they were facing trials and all sorts of problems and pains, it can be really easy to transfer that on, on our situations and think, oh, you know, I'm going through a tough time at school or at work or at college or with a relationship or with my health. And I'm not saying that God's not interested in that stuff. Of course he does. He loves us. He's our shepherd. But when you read about stuff troubles in the New Testament, it's because they were overtly living out their faith. Are you with me? Sometimes we can transfer that stuff and go, this is for me and my situation. Actually, they were under attack because of their belief in Jesus Christ. And it's made me stop in my tracks and think, am I, am I, do I ever get persecuted for believing in Jesus Christ? You know? Has anyone ever said to me, could you, could you just not? Could you not do that? Could you not say that? I don't want you to pray for me. I don't want you to talk to me about Jesus. You know, 
You with me? So Peter is writing to this, this group who were ready to give up. And he says this word, chosen. You are a chosen people. What does it mean to be a chosen person? That's what I want us to enlarge today, our understanding of being chosen. I remember being at school many, many, many moons ago now. School lunch break would go off, the bell would go off. You'd go outside and you, those of us who played football or some sort of sport at uh, lunch breaks, you'd line up along the wall and you get two mates of your captains, right? And they go down the line and you're stood there and you're thinking, choose, choose me, choose me, choose me. And they point and you go, me? Oh no, sorry, it's you, go on, right? And you go, choose me, choose me? No, okay, good, good, fine, go on. Okay, and you get down to the last few, you're like, please don't be the last one, please don't be the last, have you ever heard that before? Don't be the last one. Go, yes, third from last, come on, right? It's not that. It's not that kind of choosing, right? It's not whether you are really good at football or whatever it might be or just transfer whatever it is that you're really good at or that you're not really good at football. This choosing is way bigger than this. It's not some sort of playground process that he goes through. Peter is reminding them that they have a significance because they are a chosen people. He's connecting them to a lineage as well. He's reminding them of Old Testament language. I'll go through a few of the verses here. Deuteronomy 7, 6 says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. He has chosen you to be his people, prized above all others on the face of the earth. Exodus 19 says, Out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And then Isaiah 43 verse 20 says this, The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Peter was reminding them of this old promise. This old promise, you are my people. Don't, don't flee, don't hide. You are my people. Live it out. You are chosen. He's actually reminding them of the promise that Abraham gave to, or God gave to Abraham way back in Genesis 17 when God said to Abraham, I will be your God. You will be my people. I will bless you. Many, many nations. And in this moment, they would have been snapped back into that moment. Okay, we're part of a lineage. We're part of a lineage. We've not been forgotten. We've got a purpose. We've got an identity. And what blows my mind is it's written to us as well. Yeah? That promise over 4,000 years ago, that's also a promise to us. That he has chosen us. Amen? Amen. Still not convinced. Okay. (laughs) There's a Greek word that Peter uses there called eklekton. It's where we get the word elect. I'm not going into that today. But eklekton, right? It means to be the very best of God's people. Right? It, means, it basically means to be his favorite. So God does have favorites. His children are his favorites. It means that you are his favorite. And that word eclecton is used predominantly with, in terms of us in the New Testament, 23, 24 times or so. But there's a couple of other times that word eclecton is used. It says this in 1 Timothy 5.21, when Paul is referring to angels as the eclecton, and in Luke 23:35, he refers to Jesus as the chosen one being the eclecton. Now, I know that we're made a little lower than the angels, and I know that we're not Jesus, right? I get that. But to be bracketed in the same, in the same measure, if you like, that we have a divine nature given to us. Yeah? This is so significant to own this. This is what it means. This is what it means. And we take it for granted. I do think we take it for granted. I don't know whether it's just cultural or not, whether it's consumerism or not, 
But it's so often the way that my mind thinks is more like this. Actually, God, I know that you chose me, but it feels more like I choose you. I have decided to follow Jesus. We'll sing that later on. I have decided to follow Jesus. You know, I choose to let you into my life. You know where I'm going with this? Sometimes we can live with this kind of flipped version of it. We make ourselves the main character in this relationship with God. And don't get me wrong, we have free will in our relationship with God. We aren't programmed robots, but we need to be really careful and need to have a check in our spirit as to whether we actually flip this around and think, I've chosen God. And if you're thinking, how do I know if that's my mindset? How do I know if I live with this mindset that actually I choose him rather than he's chosen me? Chosen me? Is that God can become a genie in a bottle. These are just a list of few things that I thought about. He becomes useful for whenever we need him to be useful. He becomes a bolt-on in our life. He's an optional extra. And the word of God, we'll take it or leave it. We'll cut bits out. We won't humble ourselves below it. We won't be shaped by it. Our lives become compartmentalized. Perhaps coming to church becomes the strongest expression of our faith. It's a good expression of our faith, but it shouldn't be the only or the strongest expression of our faith. This should just be a party where we just remember who Jesus is and be filled with the Spirit to go back out there again. That becomes the strongest expression of our faith out there. Perhaps we even fall into the thinking that if we do certain things, if we act certain ways, if we pray more, if we work more, if we tithe more, if we serve more, God might love us and then choose us more. You ever felt like that? I need to get back right with God. The Bible says this, John 6, 44 and 65, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and enables them. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Hebrews 3, 1 calls this the heavenly calling. I love it, the heavenly calling that we have been called by God. We have been called by God. Jesus came This is the phone call. Jesus came to earth. He lived. He died. He rose again. He offers us grace. He offers us new life. That's the phone call that we picked up. Romans 11.5 calls the church back then in Rome a remnant chosen by grace. We're part of that. We've been chosen by grace. It's got nothing to do with us at all. God said to Abraham, I will give you this land. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make you descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. I God, not me, not you, not us, him. God chooses us. And he chose us even before the creation of the world itself. That's massive, isn't it? You're not here by mistake. He knew you'd be here. He knew you'd be here today. Blows my mind. Romans 11.6 pushes this a bit further. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. Because if it were, grace will no longer be grace. We cheapen grace, we cheapen God in the relationship that he's established with us when we place ourselves as the main character in our relationship with him. He is the main character in our relationship with him. He paid the highest cost, the highest price. You are not your own, you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God. Therefore, honor God. A chosen person recognizes their identity as solely in the hands of Jesus Christ because only his hands could have paid for it. I'll say that again. A chosen person recognizes that their identity is solely in the hands of Jesus Christ because only his hands could have paid for it. And when you realize your identity is on Jesus, based on Jesus Christ, you have to ask the question, 
Why? Why? Why have I been chosen? Yes, because he loves me. But part of that love is something else. There's something else going on. We used to play this game at school as well on our lunch breaks called Army. I don't know if anyone's ever played this before. One of you would start off going around the school playground with your arms out like this, and you'd say, who wants to play Army? Anyone ever played this before? I started it. I started it. And it worked, right? But it didn't work, because I'll explain. And then your mate would join in, and they put their arm around, who are the two of you, who wants to play? Ah, me, right? Then another mate would join in, and another mate, you get five of you, you all go around the play, and then you have the whole of the school, right, going around, who wants to play? Ah, me, right? It's mental, like big queues of people. All the teachers going, what's he doing? This is weird, right? And then guess what would happen? The whistle would go, we'd go back in. <laughs> we never played army. Ever. I don't even know how, I don't even know what the rules were. But we loved being part of an army. We loved it. Right? We had our arms around you. This is awesome, isn't it? Just, this is great. Awesome. When do we actually do it? It doesn't matter. Just to keep doing this. Right? Love it. Who wants to play army? And then the whistle go, we go back inside again. It's weird, isn't it? Can't believe I'm anyone who played that game. Mental. Anyway. That word eclecton says this: those chosen out by God for the rendering of special services to him. We're not just chosen by God to enjoy it, which is part of it, but we need, there's something about the divine identity that we've been given that we're called to use. We have a purpose. We get to play army, <laughs> finally. <laughs> we've been given a divine identity for a divine purpose. We've been chosen by him, through him, and for him, for his purposes. Only him. There's a great example of this, of being chosen by God for God, found in 1 Samuel 16. So if you don't know um, Old Testament history, get into it a little bit. But basically, you get uh, Samuel, who's the prophet, and he's really upset. He's mourning because Saul, who was the king of Israel at the time, has been rejected by God. The spirit has left Saul. And so God's preparing Samuel to find another king. So Samuel gets sent to Bethlehem. Now, I love the foreshadowing of this, right? Bethlehem. A king's being chosen in Bethlehem, just like Jesus was anyway. Completely different brain. Stay on track. So Samuel gets sent to Bethlehem, and uh, there's a chap there called Jesse. And Jesse has how many sons? Eight, seven, six. Higher, lower, higher. That's eight, right? Eight sons. Samuel meets the first son, Eliab, and says, Certainly, here in the Lord's presence is his anointed king. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at his appearance or how tall he is, because I've rejected him. God does not see as humans see. Humans look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. Then Jesse called, oh, I've got to put my teeth in, Abinadab, there we go, and brought him, brought him to Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Then Jesse had Shammah come to Samuel. The Lord has not chosen this one either. Samuel said, so Jesse brought seven of his sons to Samuel. But Samuel told Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Are these all the sons you have? Well, still there's a youngest one, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Samuel told Jesse, send someone to get him. We won't continue until he gets here. So Jesse sent for him. He had a healthy complexion, attractive eyes, and handsome, I don't know, anyway. The Lord said, go ahead, anoint him. He is the one. Samuel took the flask of olive oil and anointed David in the presence of his brothers. The Lord's Spirit came over David and stayed with him from, day, from that day on. Now David, yes, makes a few mistakes. 
Thank you, Will. David makes a few mistakes, but he also has, he's, he's a man after God's own heart, right? We all make mistakes. We've also got, we're also men and women after God's own heart. He goes on to do some incredible things for God. He unifies the tribes in Israel. He becomes a warrior. He's a worship leader. He rebuilds Jerusalem. He, he gets the ark of, the, of God as again, the presence of God back in Jerusalem. He builds this incredible empire for God. But for me, the most important bit was this, that whilst he was a shepherd boy, he responds to the call of being chosen. I don't know what you would have done in that moment. Hey, have you checked out Eliab? Right, he's much better suited than me. Right, he's attractive, he's strong, he's like clever, he's been doing this sort of thing for years, he's the best, best one. I've got, I've got other brothers, there's other people out there, Lord, don't, you know, I know that I'm chosen, but don't, like, really choose me. Like, don't, don't make me do something that I don't want to do. See, David wasn't the obvious candidate. And God doesn't choose the obvious candidates. Only the, really, I think, the world chooses the obvious candidates, the ones with the expertise and the qualifications and the high education and the profiles and the celebrities and the profiles and the, all that sort of stuff. But the only qualification that God looks for is the humility of your heart. That is it. That is it. The meek, the lowly, the reluctant but obedient. 1 Corinthians 27 says this. I love this. This is the message version. So please don't have a go at me if you don't like what this says, but it's from the Bible. So take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. Take a look. Actually, take a look. Have a look around. Good. (laughs) Wait. I don't see many of the brightest and the best. I can say that I'm part of you guys, so. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you, not many influential, not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and maybe even abuses, chose these nobodies to expose that hollow pretensions of the somebodies? That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking and right living, a clean slate and a fresh start comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. God doesn't choose the way that we choose. He doesn't look at your competency or incompetency. You know, for David, he wasn't even in the lineup. (laughs) He was out in the field. He was excluded. And yet he was already chosen out in the field. I love that when he gets chosen, he comes into the family home, right? When When you decide... You want to be that remnant chosen by grace. You decide to put your trust in Jesus Christ. You get brought into the family home. You get brought into the the family of God. Anyway, up until this point, David's purpose was that of a shepherd. But he becomes anointed with oil. He receives the Holy Spirit. And then he has this divine purpose put upon his life. I hope you know where I'm going with this. As a people group chosen by God, we have the Spirit of God. Just as David did. The same spirit that David did. He will lead you in his divine purposes. He will lead you in his divine designs that he has for your life. Ephesians 1.11 says, It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. We're desperate to know who we are. What's our purpose? It's very simply wrapped up in one name, Jesus. His glory. Becoming more like him. 
long before we first heard of Christ, when we were out in the fields, right, and got our hopes up, he had his eyes on us. He had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. He's got divine purposes for you, church, in your nine-to-five job. Divine purposes, glorious living in your relationship with your, your partner, your wife, your husband. Do you bring divine purposes into that relationship, into your home with your children? Do you see that as an opportunity for glorious living? Dads, are you discipling your children? It's glorious living. It's divine purpose. You've been given divine purpose as a dad if you have children. That's one area. This is just one area. In your friendships, in your job spaces, you have a divine identity. You have a divine purpose that was given to you. It's not yours. It's God's. We're meant to be like stained glass windows. Follow me on this one. Unlike a normal window, a stained glass window has been beautifully created. It's got a story to tell, hasn't it? It draws you into the, the, the bigger story. The image that's on... You ever seen a stained glass window? The images are beautiful. And when the, shine, the sun shines through the back of it, it's like, whoa, right? And as I was writing this, I was thinking, it's, it's just like that. We've been, we've been given another story. We've been made in the image of God. We've got his identity. And when the Spirit of God shines through us, it should shine his story, his purposes. His glory. If you're thinking, I don't, I don't know though. I don't know. I get scared. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means. You're not the only one. Exodus 4.12, Moses panics and freaks out. And God says, just go and I will speak on your behalf. I will teach you what to say. The message version is even better. God said, and who do you think made the human mouth? <laughs> Isn't it I, God. So get going. I'll be right there with you, with your mouth. I'll be right there to teach you what to say or what to do. I love that. When you realize you've been chosen, I'm trying to wake up now every single day going, right, I don't choose God today. I remember that I've been chosen by God today. Not because of some sort of mantra, like some self-help phrase that I'm trying to sort of get into my brain, but it it flips the whole relationship when you say, I have been chosen. I have been chosen to bring glory to God today to do something, to sense where the Spirit is moving and what the Spirit is saying, and where I need to be like a stained glass window in my relationship with Abby, my wife, with my kids. I don't get it right all the time. This is not me pretending that I do. Or at home or at work, wherever it might be, I'm a stained glass window for God's divine purposes. That's what it means. Allow the Spirit to shine through, to lead you into those places. Because God knows, right, what you need when you need it. God has chosen you. It wasn't about your competency or your incompetency. He has chosen you. He's placed the identity of Christ on you. He's empowered you through the Holy Spirit. There, finish with a football analogy. That's all right. So, God's looking for a team to put on the pitch, right? And unlike out on the school playground where you might get picked last, He says, I'm going to pick you all. I've picked you all. You're all my favorites, you're all strikers. Or defenders, if you're a defender, whatever your best position. You're all in the team, right? Here's the shirt. You've got the same shirt as me. Don't take it off and put it in your bottom drawer till next Sunday and then put it back on again. Keep it on. You know the tactics. It's my game plan. It's God's game plan, right? You've been given a divine shirt, a divine identity. 
to play on the divine game that he's calling you. Some of us need to stretch and warm up. You're coming on. <laughs> You're coming on. Right? Don't be, don't be satisfied with sitting back on the bench again. Who wants to play army? <laughs> right? Yeah. Divine identity for divine purposes. The world needs it. It's desperate for your identity to shine. It, it needs it. And I think we're not the only church that's getting this message. I think the UK is getting shaken up. This is way bigger than just us at Waypoint, by the way. We've been dormant. <laughs> it's probably the best way to put it. I've been dormant. I've been dormant. I'm with you. I'm, I've been dormant for too long. Are we ready to warm up, church? Yeah. We have an answer in Jesus Christ that the world needs. We have a hope in Jesus Christ that the world desperately needs. We have a light in a dark world that we have to let shine because <laughs> we've been given a divine identity for divine purposes. This is you. This is you. You are a chosen people. You were chosen thousands of years ago. <laughs> Crazy. Thank, thank God. Thank God. Wow. Let that generate some, some passion so emotion, what? Bring it to your knees so you can get back out onto your feet. Yeah? So, let's not be just Davids in the field. Let's remind ourselves that we've been chosen for a purpose. What would it look like if we wake up each day from today onwards and say, God, you've chosen me today. Give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear. Where is the Spirit leading me? Where is it you need me in divine purposes? It might be as simple as in the house. Start in the house. Start with your family. Be intentional. I wasn't going to say this, but we've got such... If you haven't got kids, I'm sorry. But if you've got kids, we've got such a responsibility to shine these divine purposes. It's not just down to the church. It's not down to connect groups or... Amazing ministries like Sunday morning, etc. They are all helpful. It's down to us. We role model it to our kids. That's an aside. Don't get too sidetracked with that. Uh, I finished. Right. Bad, do you want to come up? I haven't, I haven't really got any idea how this is landing. As you can probably tell. Um, I hope it's encouraged you. But I do want us to give us a moment as we worship um, just to wait on the Lord and um, perhaps just be reminded of our identity. Perhaps just to let that seep in, seep in, that you are a chosen person. There might be there's some work you need to do in terms of accepting that. You might feel that you have a word to come and share, whatever it is. You might think, I know what I need to do. The Spirit's already put it on my heart. I need to live this out. That's great. I'm going to pray and then hand over to Rachel and the team. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the word. I thank you that you are the word. Lord, anything that is of me, just fall away. Father, everything that is of you, may it just take root in our lives. Through your spirit, Lord, we want to glorify you, Jesus.
By your spirit, we want to glorify you, Jesus. And all that we say and all that we do, we are not worthy of this divine identity that we have. It blows our mind to think that you chose us before the formation of the world. And yet you did. You chose us because you love us. You chose us because you need us. For some reason, (laughs) well, you choose us to be involved anyway with your plans. As we wait on you now, Holy Spirit, just come and speak. Challenge us in those places that we haven't been living out our divine purposes. Those good works created, given for us in advance. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we haven't worn our identity. And thank you, Lord, that you don't hold that against us. You forgive us and you say, now's the time. Lord, we stretch, we move forward. We are a chosen people, only chosen by you. Holy Spirit, come. In your name, amen.